Ripley from Alien 3. Fuck, you're old. <laughs> ah, fake laugh. Hiding real pain. Go get silver balls. You guys going for a bite? Early bird special? Oh, like there's something wrong with eating before sundown or saving money. No, you know that bad guy that you let go? He's got my girl. You're gonna help me get her back. Wait, is that you? Yeah, it's me, Deadpool, and I got an offer that you can't refuse. I'm gonna wait out here, okay? It's a big house. It's funny that I only ever see two of you. It's almost like the studio couldn't afford another X-Men. <laughs> This すべての中に使用として、音ではないような感情プロセスで芸能です。なんかなんかスピーキーみたいな感じ。なんかなんかこう。Is it? It's time for the annual Funny Books and Fire Water White Elephant Party. Leave it on a doorstep and get the hell out of here. We've never done White Elephant before, it's not annual. That a fact. Each week a member of the panel picks one of their personal favorites to share with the rest of us. I'll tell you what I'm gonna give you, snakes. I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. Dear friends of the podcast world, sadly, the first tab of Q's audio track was lost somewhere on the internet. If this track is found, please return to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. It's a shame, really, cause it was really funny. Like, seriously, best podcast ever. We're really sorry you missed it. We will speed along to where Q joined us. So, this is what happened. To start, Brian said this. Okay, we'll start recording because we're old ladies. We gotta get Q to bed. And hey, welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Um, I would tell you the episode number, but I didn't look that up. I just got off of work and just told Q about the most epic temper tantrum from a child at a theme park I've ever seen in my entire life. 30 minutes after the show closed, she was still in the audience throwing a fit when I left. And I don't know, for all I know, that kid is still fucking there. If it was my child, I would have said, just fucking call the cops, handcuff that little <laughs> bastard. Like, it was epic like i have some nieces and nephews i've been around some kids i've seen some meltdowns 
Holy shit. So welcome to episode 35. We're continuing from last week. This is part of our uh, Christmas gifts to each other, basically. Uh, the uh, concept for this month is uh, we're all picking books that we love dearly and uh, wanted to share with the rest of the group, um, you know. And uh, so this week we are reading Q's Pick, which is um, a Excalibur book. It's actually Marvel Visionaries, Alan Davis Excalibur Volume 3. Then Q gave his intro. It was heartfelt and charming. He's costume designing shows. Get to Maryland and see them. A reference to our AARP member, uh, Adam, who has to work early in the morning, so he had to get to bed early um, after he used his uh, retirement uh, money to uh, go to the uh, the early bird special at Denny's, <laughs> um, and now he is uh, cozy in his jammies and in bed. So unfortunately, he's not going to join us this week. Uh, he sends his love, and he will be joining us next week. On his behalf, I will say, hey, check out his stuff on Big Shiny uh, Robot, and uh, listen to his podcast with Andy. Hi, Andy. Uh, BoardIsHellPodcast.com <laughs> Hey, look at that. I got that covered. So, uh, But Adam will be back with us next week, we hope. Then Brian said... I am Brian. I am a uh, sound designer in Southern California uh, working on a variety of shows that are in development and things that are currently running. And also, as I mentioned last week, I am uh, sound designing a video game uh, called Killing, comma, my friend. I feel like I have to say the comma. I think it's a slightly weird title, I'll be honest with you. It, yeah, so basically it's like a line from this asshole director. The, the concept of the game is you are an action hero and the director wants bigger, badder, better action sequences, so you're basically going through shooting things, but you have to do it in a fancier, cooler way, and there's this, uh, smart-ass director who chimes in and gives you shit about things. When the game comes out, hopefully this summer, uh, and you play the game, hopefully, and enjoy it, I hope, because uh, also <laughs> that means I get paid, because I don't get paid until the game comes out, So and I only get a percentage. So uh, please, buy the game as much as you can. Buy all of them. Buy all of them. Buy multiple computers that download it multiple times. Pay for each download, please. But you probably will hear uh, the voices of some familiar voices you're uh, used to hearing on this show. Then Brian said... No, so as we all know, Q is a big fan of Wizard Magazine. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, at work who ended up bringing some really cool shit to show me. I was sending some pictures around to these guys. Like mm-hmm. He had like the first issue of uh, Fantastic Four and the first issue of Iron Man in his own solo book and the first appearance of Thor. No, so here's the crazy thing. Because I covered his ass on Thanksgiving so he could go home early and have Thanksgiving, he gave me the first appearance of the Vision in the Avengers comics. Yeah, that was his thank you. So I currently have that, which is pretty big. Whoa! The other thing he brought me, which... I was so excited is I have the June and July issues of Wizard from 1993. This is from June 1993. It's number 22. Um, on the cover is Sabretooth and Deadpool. Um, it looks by, by Joe Quesada. Yeah, it's a fold out of a bunch of ex-villains. Yes. So, and it's apropos, but in the uh, news section on uh, page... 23 if you're following along kids I found this little article that I thought was amazing mainly because when I read this I'm like how have I never fucking heard of this happening before so comic company uses uh, uh, using condoms to promote safe sex Omega-7, an African-American publisher which produces titles like Original Man and Dark Force, is currently developing a line of condoms in conjunction with custom condoms uh, that utilizes comic book heroes to promote safe sex and fight the dangers of AIDS. Omega-7 first tried a condom uh, promotion with Dark Force number one, where each issue came with a black condom. Dark Force uh, is a hero who battles AIDS. uh, Interestingly enough, some of the comic stores carried the issue with the condom and some without. 
out. Omega-7 will be using uh, its own characters in the promotion as well as creating new ones solely for the purpose of condom promotion. Alonzo L. Washington, the company's publisher and writer, wanted to create a positive role model uh, for uh, high self-esteem for young African-Americans having uh, his heroes fight racism, AIDS, and sexual deviance. I just love that there was a comic book company that was, was publishing with, uh, or a, yeah, a comic book company that was publishing with condoms. Were there that many comic book readers who were getting laid in the 90s that they needed condoms given to them? Which I'm going to say probably not, but maybe I'm wrong. Be safe out there, kids. Uh, you know, drink, stay hydrated, use Uber, and use a condom. <laughs> We love you all. Anyway, aside from that, I, there's not nearly as much sex in this book. I mean, for an appearance of the Phoenix, I thought there'd be way more sex in it, Q. I'm a little disappointed there. Uh, I'm just, I'm, you know, I, I was hoping for a little more nookie. So, but before we get into this too deeply, we need a drinking game. And now for sports. Banning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports. Listen up, sports fans. The thrill of victory. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game and the agony of defeat remember it's only a game and a dumb one at that the human drama of athletic competition so don't take it too seriously and above all else please drink responsibly hey somebody has run out on the field some goofball in a hat and a red shirt rule one the that's an unfortunate name rule every time there is an x-men character with a really lame name take a drink because there's a shit ton of them in it. Rule two, the why, Wakanda, why, rule. It's every time the story cuts back to Wakanda and you wonder, why are we doing this part again? The guy is drunk, but there he goes. And our final rule, the free space rule. Q's drinking game rule is still lost somewhere on the internet. So now you get to make up a rule of your own. I hope it was worth it, my friend, because you've got a night in the clink coming up. Uh, Q, before we go to the break, would you like to give us a little preview as to what readers of this book could expect if they have not read it already? So this is where Q gave an amazing summary of the book. But it's lost forever. So sad. So very, very sad. So I got this summary off of the back of the book. Nightcrawler. Shadowcat. Captain Britain. Megan. And the return of Rachel Summers, the Phoenix. As our heroes team with Captain America, Iron Man and Black Panther to save Wakanda, Phoenix battles Galactus in space. And back in England, the government is trying to take control of the nation's superheroes, but it's not going well, just ask the Warpies. Then, it's a trip to a Sentinel-ruled future, and the shocking origin of Widget. Alan Davis returns to Excalibur for some of the team's greatest adventures yet, Collecting Excalibur, 1988, number 59 through 67. Also, you should know that part of this book is tied into the X-Men classic, Days of Future Past. Gotcha. That would have been useful information. If I would have known that that was tied into <laughs> Days of Future Past, that would have made a little more sense. Good to know. Good to know. Fantastic. So we will take our little break um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, do our little thing. And then when we get back, we will uh, dive all in and get all spoilerific on this bitch. <laughs> If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. 
Cool. So we are back. Uh, I'm sure some random interludes are, uh, are still with us. <laughs> oh, I forgot one more thing. I almost forgot this last week as well. Um, we have like a guest DJ, but he doesn't have a DJ name yet. So we need to come up with something geeky. It means a buddy of mine is providing background music for us. It's kind of like some cool mellow stuff. We had it last week as well. And then he's got some more stuff coming to us in the near future. But doesn't have a DJ name yet. So, um, so we need to come up with one for him. So if anybody thinks of a good DJ name, he wants something kind of geeky, kind of cool that way. So um, I felt like just pulling a butthole surfers and just changing his name every week you know what i mean just be like okay yes. this week his name is you know what i mean is there an x-men in this movie we could give as a dj name that's that's the other question actually i kind of like peanut to be honest with you dj peanut would be kind of <laughs> i love fucking peanut in this book i don't know why it's the most re- he's so ridiculous such a fucking ridiculous character lightning round begins now. Um, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm just going to go from memory. So the book starts off with the team in Africa, in Wakanda, actually, which is where the Black Panther is from. They are attacked by um, this guy named Icon, who wants Wakanda to go back to its more traditional roots, whereas Black Panther is trying to move the, the country into a more tech, technology-based um, place. So Captain Britain is there because his company um, is trying to is trying to work with the Wakandan government and Captain America, and though at the time he was still Iron Man, he is eventually going to become War Machine. He's James Rhodes in the Iron Man armor. Are all there? Kitty Pride uh, kind of snuck along, and she all of a sudden they deems them Excalibur, even though there's more Avengers than people from Excalibur there. But anyway, they defeat him. Uh, his powers only lasted for so long. Blah, blah, blah for him. While all that's going on, Kurt and uh, new member series are still in England, and they are attacked by this um, night guy. Uh, that guy never appears again, so, you know, whatever. Nobody cares. Nobody cares! So the real story that we're getting into happens in the, the, the next issues. Sorry, before that, uh, we're then reintroduced to Phoenix, a.k.a. Rachel Summers, who then becomes Rachel Gray. She has way too many fucking code names, much like her mother, Jean Gray. She, the, the Phoenix, has healed her body from a fight that they had back in issue 50, um, and uh, the Phoenix is very sad and, says, and runs into Galactus and thinks that Galactus is doing terrible things because he's developed a world, but it's just what Galactus does, and Galactus reveals the truth to Phoenix that actually she is, when she, while she uh, um, is living in this plane of existence, she's actually stealing the life from future generations of the universe. So she gets all emo-y and just goes back to sleep. Excalibur, when they're all back, they come to find out that there's all of this weirdness going on with, um, with all the government agencies of, of England, and it's all kind of orchestrated by Cloud Nine, uh, which is run by a guy who he says his name is Peter, but he's an old school um, guy from Excalibur. Um, this story really kind of brings in a lot of older stories in Excalibur to kind of um, wrap them up. Peter sort of has taken in all of the Warpies, which I will get into later, brings in all the Warpies in- into his compound to sort of train his own superhero um, group, much like the X-Men or you know Avengers Academies. Um, and that kind of vein. But they're all losing their powers and he doesn't understand why, so obviously he thinks that it is some sort of conspiracy or enemy that is um, taking away their powers because, you know, obviously that wouldn't happen. And now we're already hitting four minutes and it's still not through this book. 
Lightning round begins now. Round two. So, uh, through manipulations, he gets Excalibur there. Excalibur foils his plans and uh, sort of ends his, his sort of reign of terror over the Warpies, um, exposing him as the uh, kind of fraud that he is. Um, and that's kind of the end of the book. I, oh, no! Oh my god, and then I forgot. Phoenix comes back. She wakes up. I totally forgot this is at the end of the book. Phoenix wakes up. Phoenix sort of reveals to Rachel that, you know, she kind of fucked up and that she's kind of not the best kind of uh, being. Grants Rachel back her own life. Rachel then goes, you know what? I need to go back to my own time, which is the Days of Future Past storyline, and fix it. So, uh, she goes into the future with the help of Widget, who is actually um, Kate Pride, the future Kitty Pride, um, stuck in the Widget body, and um, then Excalibur joins her in the future. Um, they meet another team, which is led by um, his name, I think it's Nigel upbringing something Smythe, who is also known as Peter, now in this future known as Arthur, and uh, a little collection of British heroes, which one of them is Tangerine, who's one of my personal favorites. They take on the Sentinels because they've captured Rachel, so they need to go get her back, and it's sort of, you know, uh, kill or be killed. They take down the Sentinels and Ahab, who is an old uh, Rachel Gray villain. And uh, Rachel thinks that she's sort of fixed it, and then that's the end of this collection. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like 10 issues. Yeah, a, a, a lot happens. Again, so um, I don't know how much was cut off from the thing, and you know, Brian can kind of edit it later to whatever. But again, um, they were kind of wrapping up a lot of Excalibur-related issues in in the book at the time. Um, Alan Davis, who was the writer and artist, um, was kind of trying to wrap up a lot of his storylines because then the direction after this story was to bring Excalibur back more around to um, the X-Men and getting them more connected in with, with them. Um, all of the Alan Davis and British characters are sort of written out of the series and more X-Men um, related characters are brought in like Moira McTaggart and Wolfspin and Warlock um, were sort of br brought in later after this because, you know, they wanted to kind of get away from the more goofy slash um, British feel of the book, which is, which was unfortunate. It really kind of made turned the book into a different direction that I really didn't like. So, since we're still recording, I'll just go ahead and give you guys a Warpies 101. So, the Warpies who play a big part of this book are um, the children that were born after the great reality warp made by Mad Jim Jaspers. So, back in Captain Britain, in his Marvel UK book, there's a character named Mad Jim Jaspers who flipped all of reality, um, mostly England, and made it uh, and created a new timeline where Germany won the World War. And uh, it, it became a very scary place to live. There were very few people who remembered what the real reality was, Captain Britain and his sister Psylocke being um, two of them. So uh, through a series of events, Captain Britain finally uh, you know, got, got, got the reality back to where it was. However, so Captain Britain and his uh, and his 
powers come from the other world, which is an alternate dimension outside of time and space kind of a thing, which is also where his dad is from, um, from that dimension. And that's also where Merlin of Myth is from. And um, there is a huge energy matrix that swirls in the other world that gives everyone who's connected to it those magical powers. So it gives every Captain Britain, because every Earth, every reality in the multiverse has a Captain Britain analog. It doesn't necessarily have to be Brian Braddock, who is the one on Earth 616. So if you've heard that term, term Earth 616, it comes from Captain Britain comics, which then became X-Men comics, which then, you know, uh, sort of became the globalized term. But he is Captain Britain 616, and so every alternate Earth has one, and all of their powers come from this energy matrix. So in the previous battle that I aforementioned with Phoenix, um, Excalibur found out that Merlin had sort of manipulated them um, and was manipulating all of the multiverse into creating this, this energy matrix, and so part of what they did was destroy this energy matrix. Um, so anyway, uh, when Captain Britain uh, saved the day and got reality back to where it was, there was still a lot of leftover magical energy, because Mad Jim Jaspers used that same magical energy to change um, reality. There was still lots of magical energy left in England. There started to be children born with different features, different mutations and powers, and everyone just thought that they were mutants. They just thought that, you know, there was just a huge influx of mutants due to this reality warp, and they became known as the Warpies. Um, Captain Britain eventually did take the Warpies into his own home, and Psylocke slash Betsy, his twin sister, um, sort of helped them live in, you know, live in Braddock Manor, and then, as you saw in um, Beetroot's flashback in, in the story, um... RCX came and took them out of there, and then there was an explosion. They were all kidnapped, which was to show you that they were all taken to Cloud Nine. Um, but anyway, um, so the so what happened is when Excalibur then destroyed the energy matrix on the other world, all that magic was going away. Another um, long going thread is Megan. Um, Megan, the character Megan, um, part of her innate abilities um, is seeing energy forms. And part of what attracted her to Captain Britain was the fact that he had this energy halo around him, meaning that's the energy matrix that comes into his body to give him his powers, which is why um, in in this book you see when he loses powers and he falls into the, into the water why she was so confused about the way he looked because he looked different to her. Um, and the, when later you see that when she sees Warpies, she sees that they have a similar glow about them because they're all coming from the, the same magic. Um, so anyway, so you find out that, that with that energy matrix collapsing, everyone's losing their power. So there is no overall or disease or some sabotage. What's happening is that the children are reverting back to their actual forms now that this magic is going away from the universe. Um, but Roma then comes back and then permanently gives Captain Britain his powers when, you know, he's like dead or dying or whatever. Which is not the first time she's done that, by the way. Um, but anyway, that's kind of... The backstory of all of that. I think I might have covered a little bit more than I did previously. 12 minutes! <laughs> I could teach a class. I mean, it, as I said, like, this book really kind of 
wraps up those kind of dangling storylines that have been going on for a long time, which is why for you guys, I'm sure it's very confusing to sort of just jump right in and be like, what, what the fuck is going on? Because like these are stories that are like long building. Because like the um, stories from Captain Britain were like late 70s, early 80s. Um, you know, before before um, Betsy came over to America and joined the X Men as Psylocke, like you know, the which was I want to say like eighty seven. So like you know, it was it was before then. This is the point where Q does some serious in depth discussion of the book. To be honest, he talked a lot. So without his track, I have no idea what is going on. Let's skip ahead to the cocktail hour. Q did two cocktails. The first is from a French website so pardon the Google Translate. He's calling it the Cerise for two. Bourbon, grenadine syrup, castor sugar, lychee liqueur soho, fresh cherry juice, cherries, and some ice cubes. His second cocktail is the tangerine drop. Tangerine, absolute citron vodka, contro and lemonade. Uh, keeping it European, uh, I, I based my cocktail off of Captain Britain, um, and I kind of figured, well, you got Captain Britain, what's a famous British dude? I went for the uh, Winston Churchill cocktail, so it's the Churchill cocktail, uh, which is three parts scotch whiskey, uh, whiskey, sorry, uh, one part lime juice, one part triple sec, and one part sweet vermouth, and you mix that shit together, strain it into a glass, uh, and voila, you have the Churchill, and it looks very tasty. Uh, um, which oddly enough, okay, so uh, this I just this just seemed very strange to me. I found this on the Absolute Vodka website, right? Which a the drink has no vodka in it, which is kind of interesting. But b on all of them they have non-alcoholic alternatives. Who was looking for non-alcoholic alternatives on the fucking Absolute website? Like that's the thing I don't. But some of them look good. There's one that's called the West Indian Cooler that was like basically like orange and pineapple juice, which I'm like it looked okay, but you know, I'm like. Uh, anyway, so Todd, do you have a cocktail for us? I know you do because you just emailed it to me. Oh, it's nice. That helps, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Thank you very much. Um, the name of this cocktail is actually called Phoenix Down because, you know, Dark Phoenix makes a presence in this show. Um, it's got a half shot of absinthe, a uh, simple syrup and grenadine, and you shake that shit up, pour it in a glass, and then you put in a half shot of Jägermeister on top and a little bit of orange. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that that that's a sleepy time cocktail right there. So yeah, the Phoenix Down. It's supposed to revive you back to life. Is the whole idea there? Should have given so. that to that kid that was throwing a temper tantrum and I couldn't leave work. <laughs> Holy fuck! Oh, actually, okay. This reminds me of this part. Okay, so this this is a total side note. But um, so I before I married my wife, I was engaged to another girl, um, and uh, she told me the story of so her. Her sister was a very colicky baby, and their doctor they had was a really old school guy at the time. And so uh, she was teething and she was crying all the time. And their doctor said, "Well, you know, put a little shot of you know whiskey mm-hmm. in the bottle and give it to her, assuming she knew to dilute the thing with water." And this girl's mom, not necessarily the brightest girl in the box, uh, uh, <laughs> in the box. So she basically gave the baby a shot of whiskey, and the baby passed the fuck out. <laughs> and she calls up her husband, freaking out, be like, "I think I killed the baby!" Like the baby. 
baby came to a while later and it was still breathing but basically she didn't know to dilute it with a little bit of whiskey and so she got that kid drunk as fuck anyway so that <laughs> right that's not the brightest bulb that's a bulb that didn't make it to the box there oh okay other side note since we're, we're close to this uh I, for those of you who've seen the movie idiocracy uh there is the scene where uh they they realize that if they actually stop giving plants uh the gatorade type beverage that they'll actually grow because they need water because mm-hmm. they're like you know whatever this has all the things you know things crave so i was training for like my first half marathon and i was dating her and i like i got sick one day and she was and she, she was talking to my uh at the time girlfriend and she and she told her like well he needs to be drinking gatorade if he's running doesn't he need to be drinking gatorade and i was like wow i feel like i'm in idiocracy right now like it was like almost word for word that entire conversation it's got everything the plants crave <laughs> We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It is now time for another transmission of comic book history with Professor Meyer. Uh, but yeah, Excalibur. Um, I mean, it was technically an X book, even though I it's kind of like a fringe X book. I don't even know if I would even consider it. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Because, uh, I mean, you got Captain Britain, who's the lead of the team. He's not really a mutant. He's, you know, a guardian of the multiverse, essentially. The uh, the, the Captain Britain Corps, or whatever it is that they uh, call themselves, that guard the different Earths. But, I mean, there are mutants on the team. Like, you have Shadowcat, Rachel Summers, uh, where, where the, you know, all kind of alternate future Phoenix, daughter of, of Cyclops and Jean Grey comes in, Nightcrawler's on the team, like, those three are like the staple characters, even though Captain Britain's like the hero, <laughs> and like the leader, uh, and Megan, who's his, uh, his lady, and you know, throughout the years they had a whole bunch of other characters on the team, uh, I honestly don't know who's on the team at this point, because, uh, just because over throughout the years there's been a whole ton of other characters but they've come and gone but i mean that that everyone i mentioned is pretty much like the the core team uh i'm just double checking powerful captain britain shape-shifting megan the intangible shadow cat teleporting nightcrawler the mysterious phoenix and the ever unprecedented widget and lockheed the dragon oh widget i forgot about widget stupid character i i just think it's a dumb character No, I, I don't need reasons. Uh, you should you should hear the the bitching that goes on about random things that Doc when we do shipment to Doctor Volts. Oh man, it gets it can it can get bad. I don't know if they in, in, uh, revealed it in this, so you know, spoiler alert. Widget was an alt older alternate version of the Shadow Cat from da- the Days of Future Past timeline. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> Uh, but that's why I love comics. Comics are stupid. That's why I love wrestling. Wrestling is stupid. I love wrestling. Alan Davis, who's, I'd say, one of the legends of comics. He's, uh, shit, he's done it all. And uh, now I'm totally blanking. The only thing I can think of right now is, uh, he, he did, it was a creator-owned book called Clandestine. Uh, and it was for Marvel. I, I never read it, but I, the characters popped up in a couple, like, issues of X-Men or, or somewhere. Um, but yeah, no, they were really good or like kind of cool characters, kind of crazy. I mean, he's done Uncanny X-Men, he's done... He did actually did a really good uh, JLA story. It was a, its own, it was a three-issue miniseries, but it was an Elseworlds story. What, like, those are my favorite DC stories, or kind of the alternate universe stories. But he did one called The Nail, and it's it's really good. And then I think he did a sequel to it called Another Nail. Eh, it's a creative title. No, no. Not really, but uh, 
Yeah, no, it's, uh, I would recommend that from Alan Davis. But yeah, he's been popping up here and there lately. He, uh, 60 and still drawing his ass off. And he's like, I would, I would put him in, I would consider him a legend. He's, uh, if you can pick up anything by Alan Davis, you won't be disappointed. Even if it's, like, characters you don't like, he always writes or draws an amazing story. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Anyway, so I'm gonna dive in with my thoughts a little bit on this mm -hmm. book. Um, I, I be honest with you, I wish I would have known all that information beforehand. Um, like I liked, a, there's there's a vast majority of stuff that I did like just for what was in the book. Um, I feel like some of the stuff that I was confused by, one of which being the significance as to why the fuck you picked this book um, <laughs> now makes a lot more sense actually and makes me kind of want to go back and read a few other things and I was like I the humor in this that you mentioned I actually liked a lot there were some funny moments and some little snide comments and some little jokes here and there the weird warpy characters are kind of endearing and strange and kind of fun and bizarre like there is a lot of stuff that I like um, uh, it just I, I don't think I had enough I don't, I don't think it's a book you can jump in on on its own. I feel like um, I would have loved to have had a little bit of a, like, oh, okay, you know, you may need to know this about the character, and you may want to have read Days of Futures Past, and that will kind of help all of this add together kind of thing. Um, but I would say overall, I kind of liked it. Um, and I, I'd actually would be kind of interested in, in reading some more of at least this run of Alan Davis stuff because I, um, I liked enough that I was like, I, I don't think I was 100% like Reddit going like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I was kind of like, um, wait, what? And uh, it's nice to hear Q say, yeah, there's parts of this where you're going, wait, what? So I don't feel completely alone in that. And you, you know, you are the X-Men expert. So that makes me feel a little less crazy. I would probably give it a solid seven out of 10 for me personally without having any of that back information. Like, I was like, okay. Knowing that information now, I'm like, okay, some of this makes a lot more sense and now I'm a little more down with it. You know what I mean? And uh, makes me a little more likely to read some of the other stuff. But like, so I'm not saying I hated it. I mean, like I'm well over 50% of it. I just, I was like, I was a little confused and a little like, wait, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? And I, knowing that, that uh, the association at the end with Days of Future Past gives me another excuse because I've wanted to read Days of Future Past for a while. And now I'm like, oh, well, now I have another reason to read it to kind of get mm -hmm. a little bit more out of what we've just read. Then Todd said, well, as someone who's not very familiar with the uh, Marvel Universe and reading this, I uh, was really lost. <laughs> Thank you, Q. But, but what I did enjoy about this and some things I did like is reading this comic, you can the uh, X-Men cartoon of the 90s, the style and everything, I felt like I was just reading a, a comic book version of that cartoon. So in that way, I felt a lot of ways at home in that regard because the... Uh, you know, the drawing style and everything else, it was really mimicked, and you can definitely see where all the inspiration was from. My, um, some of my favorite moments, actually, in the comic is when you had Galactus and Dark Phoenix having, or Phoenix having an existential conversation about who's worse than each other. And so you've got these overpowered people going, well, I just eat because I'm hungry to survive, and you just suck the life force out of things to exist. So I'm doing it just to survive, and you just are. So aren't you douchier? And she's like, no! That actually did give me a little bit of a different appreciation for Galactus. You're like, right. 
Right. It's, it's, it's like being mad at a shark for for biting your leg. That's what a fucking shark does. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how he survives. Mm-hmm. You know. So I really did enjoy that. What was also funny, and I love with this time period. You know, you know how excited I got with the uh, Judas contract. Is you've got Rachel showing up. It's like page one sixty six, and there she is on this panel and goes, "Hi guys." But you didn't expect me to show up again. And in this big, huge red block lettering, you've got um, a character going, Phoenix, you're here. And it's just the way that the topography goes to express emotion, I think, is great. And modern comics don't do that nearly to the degree that they've done in the past. And I think that's a hoop. And there was also a line in here going, well, I'm not really Dark Phoenix anymore, but she just has a lot better taste in her color scheme. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to do that because it's cuter. I yeah. wear red because I like it. So, but I was utterly lost and <laughs> reading through this and that's absolutely and I had a tough time slogging my way through it because I just didn't know I mean this is a, an arc within a big thing but it's volume 3 of something I mean they assume you know who Captain Britain is and I'm like I don't know who Captain Britain is and I'm like, I he was like Captain America, but in England. That was pretty. That was basically my theory. I was like, oh. well, right. But I had just as much things with Captain Britain as I did with the country of Wakanda. It's like, oh, is that Tony Stark there? It's like, no. Tony was too big of a jerk to show up. He just sent this other guy in his armor. Yeah, and he's contracted throughout. And then I think my one of my favorite movie is it was almost like a Star Wars callback. As you've got a Sentinel with part of his brain missing, and another Sentinel going, TK three two four one, are you responding? No, no, no. Yeah. All right, fine. Let's go home. And you see everyone cheering. And I thought that was a bit of a gas. But I was utterly lost, Q. I had a tough time because of that. But it was in the middle of it. And I can see where some of that humor is. The, um, you know, the art is a dated. I mean, it's definitely art of its time. And there are things about it. I mean, modern day, they get a little more freeform, and sometimes it's a little too freeform, and you wonder what's going on. And this one is a bit more, the panels are a bit more, not just linear, but blocky in that regard, and it kind of helps out in a lot of ways, I think. See, and what I am impressed with this is Alan Davis is the writer and the penciler. You don't really yeah. see that in a mainstream comic so much anymore. So no. this was a guy with deadlines. It's true. And he was just churning the sucker out. And his part of the old school, he's got, I mean, there was a work ethic there that he really had, which is cool in its own regard. And hats off to you because you see um, writer artists for like their own creator own stuff. And you also figure out that they did most of that over a much longer period of time. And this guy just really ripped through it. Yeah. Then Q was able to join us again. I'll let him take over from here. Okay, so we, we, we don't know where we left off. But anyway, I, I love Alan Davis. And that, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, he's just great. So, so you know, Brian, you were talking about that you wanted to read more. So this is the mm-hmm. end of Alan Davis's run. So after okay. this, um, the entire X line sort of re configured itself and so they kind of got rid of a lot of the English characters and then brought in other 
X characters. So they got rid of uh, Kylan and Micromax and Ceres and um, even Captain Britain and M Megan, and they brought in uh, Moira McTaggart and Wolfsbane and uh, Warlock and tried to reconnect them back into the um, more more X Men versus their own little their own little group. Um, mm -hmm. As I said, it's kind of the end of an era and like. It really pissed off a bunch of readers at the time. Um, or at least it pissed off me. I guess I shouldn't <laughs> make that assumption. But after the off panel, in between them leaving the Days of Future Past timeline and re-coming um, back to their own timeline, Captain Britain got lost in the time stream. Which I'm just like, ugh. What, <laughs> what a freaking, like like easy way out of that so then Megan of course gets super depressed and becomes a one with a waterfall which how emo is that um, but um anyway um and like series you find out is a war criminal from the Shi'ar which is actually kind of badass as well um so she so she's arrested Fearon of course is just completely a loser anyway and I was so pissed when they brought him in he's that he's that little mage kid in the green cloak like just oh, fucking yeah, okay. get rid of that kid um Micromax and Kylan just like disappear like never to really be heard from again um Kylan was a, a kind of a shatter star from X Force ripoff that just didn't really work. Um, he was he was originally introduced in Excalibur number two as a kid who was on the run from Vixen, who's a recurring villain that they keep talking about. In fact, Vixen is like a villain who they talk about more than she actually ever appears on screen. <laughs> Um, she's, just, she's just like a crime boss in, in the UK. Um, but anyway, he was on the run from her, and he went into Widget's time warp and went to this other, um, you know, other Earth and became, you know, like the wolf guy with swords. And then he came back during, I think it was like somewhere in like the 40s, like the issue 40s. And um, uh -huh. he, he just didn't work. It, it's just kind of like, oh, it's a dude with swords who can re recreate any sound imaginable. That's cool. Least <laughs> <laughs> Academy movies. Um, however, he was a really cool action figure, though. I will oh, yeah. say, yeah, he he looked pretty cool. Um, he did have he did have a very cool design. Thank you, Alan Davis. Um, yes. But anyway, I, I mean, the, the, this book just like really brings me back to like when I was a hardcore comic book kid. Every Saturday, <laughs> going to the comic book store, getting my um, latest issue of Excalibur, and just devouring that nonsense. Awesome. I love it. Cool. Uh, so, Todd, what's your out of 10 rating on this? Well, the reason I would knock it down is because I was utterly lost and <laughs> kind of picking it up midstream. So I'd probably give it a 5 in that regard, but I really, you know, I'd give the art and Alan Davis. I mean, going back again with it, he was the penciler as well as the writer, and this was the weekly monthly issues he was doing mm -hmm. i mean this guy worked on a deadline and he just churned it out hats off to you alan the um i really liked the art and the characters were all rather distinct from one another one another i mean you've got a lot of books or whatnot it's like now which one is this character versus that character and so he did a lot of that really well but um 
so the art I'll give high marks, and uh, I was just lost in the story, and that's so we, my challenge with it. So you're sitting around what, like, you're eh, still sitting at five? Six overall. Let's give it a six, six because okay. I, because I'm picking it up midstream. I'm in volume three, and I was absolutely clueless about what was going on here. Mm-hmm. So that's what was a challenge for me. But I, obviously, there was lots of aspects of it I really enjoyed. Okay. And Q, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're a ten out of ten, but I'm curious. I mean, like, I, I mean, I'd, I would give it a nine. I mean, it starts off pretty weak with the whole Wakanda storyline. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't when I like first proposed, like when I was first like, oh, let me find out if there's a trade of like the Warpies storyline because I just because mm-hmm. it's just kind of an interesting thing. I guess it's just kind of all it just kind of gets lost when you it's don't know what quirky the is Warpies what it is. are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and why it is that they're losing their powers? Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, so it starts off kind of kind of random with the with the Wakanda storyline. Um, also, it, uh, I mean, I think it ends really strong with the Days of Future Past. But again, if you didn't know that it's Days of Future Past, yeah. or like, because you know, a lot of people don't know the Ahab part of. Um, Days of Future Past, where he um, had these hounds. Most everybody just knows like the Sentinels part. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, so mm-hmm. um, when they would capture some mutants, if they had um, powers that could be useful, they would turn them into hounds and use them to hunt other mutants. So that's what they did to Rachel because she had psychic powers and could track um, mutants. And um, so she was a hound, so she actually killed a lot of her family and friends being brainwashed, and Ahab was the the creator of the hounds. Um, and so eventually she, like, overturned his programming, and then that's how she then became into the um, mutant concentration camp with all the rest of the X-Men. Okay. But anyway. What is cool is I'm looking this up. Alan Davis is still writing for Marvel. He's got mm-hmm. stuff... And he's still plugging away. It's not like he's an artist from the past. I mean, he's got stuff this year, last year, and as I'm looking up at his uh, CV, I guess, I mean, he's been a pretty consistent writer, and he hasn't Mm -hmm. stopped. He just keeps going. That's cool. Um, Another popular one of his is... uh Justice League The Nail, where it's what happens if Superman never became Superman. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty interesting book. But again, Alan Davis writes and draws and his his own stuff. And he, he has mm-hmm. a very distinctive style that that I, I very much like. Um, mm-hmm. I, and like uh, Todd kind of said, his character designs make everyone very unique so they don't get lost in mm-hmm. In, like in the background, like when you see someone, even if it's like the slightest color or, or detail that you can make out if they're far away, you still know who that is, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a very important feature, and especially in comics when you have to, you know, draw people multiple times. He's he's, he's very he's very consistent. Like you never feel as though, like to me, Kitty Pride looks like Alan Davis's Kitty Pride, like mm-hmm. because she always <laughs> looks like Kitty Pride when she looks like that. Um, 
the series will always look like this. Now, granted, she had very, very few other artists that ever drew her because she only lasted, you know, at these about 30 issues. Um, but, like, that's the way that she looks. And um, Captain Britain and Megan just have very, um, mm -hmm. very distinct looks in this. Also, yes. I, 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 I literally just remembered that... Uh, Megan in in one in one issue she transforms into her, her original form which is like this weird beast looking thing mm -hmm. with like these anyway Me Megan is a very interesting character <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway I was, I was like oh god these guys are gonna be so confused when they read some of this shit from the old Captain America comics yeah uh, but eventually we figure yeah. it all out does anybody have any recommendations for this week? I have a couple. If I, I can give you a couple, I mean, go, go, go ahead and start. Okay. Uh, so I read two books this week. Like I'm, I'm trying to go. Like as I've said before, my to be read pile has exploded again, and I have too much shit. So I read two books that happen to be by the same author. I just happen to both throw them in my backpack at the same time, and they're both amazing. Um, the author is a guy named Tom King, who has been around for a while, but I'm just now discovering him. Uh, the first book I read of his was the uh, first trade of the current run of the Vision, uh, which is phenomenal uh and I actually put it on our list of books to potentially do on the show because i really loved it uh the idea of it is is that the vision decides that he wants to have more of a, a human type lifestyle so he has a wife and two kids made um because they are uh not normal human beings there is a certain amount of prejudice that is expected towards them so you get sort of the sense of uh this you get these uh scenes of prejudice against uh them as well as the fact that you know his day job is um as a uh as a um superhero so of course you have supervillains visiting as well so what ends up happening in the course of the story is they're trying to have a normal life trying to have like a, a leave to beaver life um a uh a supervillain comes and visits the uh, the family while Vision is away, um, which leads to uh, an incident. I'm trying not to ruin it, but basically the mother um, and the son and the daughter now have a big secret to keep away from uh, the Vision as their father. Um, and this kind of leads to some other issues kind of explode out of that. And it's sort of like a family drama with superpowers involved in it, but it's beautifully done really interesting story um and i dug it a lot the second book and i happen to just read it the same day both also by uh, tom king is called um uh the omega men i don't know if anybody's heard of this one mm -hmm. but it's uh it's have you has anybody else read this i haven't read it but i know what the omega men are yeah so it's a this one's a, a it's a dc run it was 12 issues um uh and done and it's in collected one trade uh the basic concept is uh it's sort of a it's a a group that is um it's they kidnap the white lantern um kyle rainier who used to be a green lantern um you don't have to know green lantern lore and story to read this book and appreciate it um but uh so they sort of pretend to kill him on television so everyone thinks he's dead and basically it's it's in these worlds that um it's a, a group of like six worlds that are kind of controlled by this group that is both sort of like re the religion and the politics have sort of combined into one and it's this group that's kind of railing against and trying to get their home worlds back and so it's this interesting story about uh right and wrong and um and uh religion versus uh um uh versus politics for you know and and the ruling class and that kind of stuff and it's uh you know it's I, I liked it a great deal. I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, so Tom King is very quickly becoming one of my favorite writers. He also, I talked to Todd earlier, he's been doing a run on Batman recently, and I know he's done mm -hmm. a, uh, a run on, um, it's either Dark Knight or, 
um, uh, not Dark Knight, um, the a Nightwing or something like that. So right. one of those side Batman characters. He's been doing a run on that as well. Sure. Also, I will say I think I talked about this previously. He did. Um, he's working on a image comic, Sheriff of Babylon, and it takes place of an operative in Baghdad during the occupa- American occupation. It's oh, also wow. very well done, okay. but it's very. DMZ esque. I will give it that. So Q will hate it, but the rest of you might like it. Well, somebody else might. Right. So if you liked DMZ, you'll love the Sheriff of Babylon. Is my quick review there. But no, I really like Tom King. Okay. Um, A bit with mine as I'm talking about it right here is I picked up. I haven't read it yet. I'm very excited for um, read great reviews. Is um, Green Arrow Year One, written by Andy Diggle with art by Jock. So the same duo that brought us the Losers. Oh, okay. um, did the reimagining in year one of Andy Diggle and Brian K. Vaughn said it's awesome. So, okay, you know he matters. Well, and I, I think Todd and I both really like the losers. Yes, um, the book is definitely better than the movie. Yeah. Um, and frankly, and, and I'm going to say this to anybody who decides that they're going to go buy the losers, buy the <laughs> trades with volumes one and two together and two and three together because here's the, or three and four together because here's the problem. I bought, I think Todd did the same thing. I did. <laughs> um, I bought like one and two together. Then I bought issue three or the third trade paperback together and I couldn't find trade the fourth trade paperback together. It was never fucking published that way. So I, like Todd, have volumes one and two, volumes three and four. And volume three again in my, my collection because uh, that's just how I ended up reading it and that's what I have. So don't waste your time with just buying volume three by itself. Buy one and two as one book, buy three and four as one book. If you're going to read the book, I think you'll like it, but that's mm-hmm. my recommendation on yes. that as well. Uh, cool. Uh, Todd, do you have anything else or is that, uh, is that good for you? I'm good for me, just that. Okay. Cool. Uh, Q, do you have anything or are you um, good? My recommendation is an anti-recommendation okay so um i went to so i'm trying to find a new local bar because our current local bar just kind of fucked us over so i'm like all right well fine if you don't want me coming there every night as i have been for the past two years then i will find somewhere else to go yeah so in my search uh, there's a new a new bar in town and i went in and i was like okay you know i and they have they do have a really good cocktail and i'll do a little pro for them too they make a pear cucumber uh, margarita um, hmm. It is probably the most delicious thing I've ever had in my mouth. And I have had some pretty <laughs> crazy things in my mouth. Um, but, like, it doesn't taste like cucumbers or pears. But when it, when you taste it, you're like, I guess that is kind of what they would taste like together. Mm-hmm. Very, It's very delicious. Um, but I'm going to be anti. So I really, really, really dislike it when you order something and the bartender thinks that he's better than you and so he gives you something that he thinks is better. No. That is not (laughs) what I ordered, ma'am. I'm sorry. So, Brad decided (laughs) that he... So, I I like Fireball. I'm a classy... Not classy. Lady. (laughs) And I drink vodka out of the bottle and I also drink Fireball out of the bottle because that's how I roll. So I ordered you know, another margarita and a shot of Fireball, and he pu- and he's like he's like all right, and so he pours me this thing and hands it to me, and I looked at it and I was like, that's not Fireball. I know what Fireball looks like. I drink it daily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he was like, oh no, this is better. This is some blah 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 Tennessee cinnamon whiskey. And I was like, 
but that's not what I ordered. <laughs> and, he was, and he was like, well, if you don't like it, it'll be on me. And I said, okay, well, thank you for the shot then. And uh-huh. I took it, and it was it was a cinnamon whiskey. But here's the thing. Fireball is not real whiskey. It's mm-hmm. not. It doesn't even have the E in it when they spell it on the bottle. That's yeah. how you know it's not real whiskey. It is just candy flavoring alcohol. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? So that's what some people like. Do you know what? Call us trashy. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm a little trashy. But when I order a goddamn shot of Fireball, that's what I want. And I'm sorry. Yeah, to- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then you lost two dollars off your tip because you wanted to be like, oh well this is better. Do you know what, Brad? It's not. So <laughs> it's literally my pet peeve when I'm like, okay, this is what I want, and then they hand me something else. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Well this is better, you're like it. No, I won't. I want what I want. Yeah, fuck you, Brad. Yeah, fuck, fuck you, Brad. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. Anything else you want to say about Brad? No, just fuck you, Brad. He's terrible in bed, too, by the way. He's awful in bed. He's horrible. Something else that, like, really turned me off. So this restaurant is fairly new. It's a, um, which is, and the food is good. It's a Korean soul food fusion place. What? (laughs) Right? Right? I live in California. We have some weird fucking fusion restaurants. That's what I've never heard of. I know, but it's delicious. Like, the food is really good. Um... But, uh, so, you know, it's a new business. You know, they're trying to, you know, build a name for themselves. And once again, they have good food. They do have some good cocktails. So Brad, when he's over, like, food prepping my stuff, because, you know, they have to, like, put, like, the, you know, they have to, like, plate stuff up or whatever, Mm -hmm. especially if it's, like, appetizers. He's, like, over there singing some song where there's, like, literally fuck every other word. And listen, I have a mouth of, like, a drunken sailor. Like, we all know this. But when Mm -hmm. I'm out in public, with like people around and there's also this nice older lady sitting next to me at the bar also enjoying a margarita I'm pretty sure that we don't want to listen to Brad rapping over in the corner saying fuck every five seconds like I, like I was just <laughs> looking at him like the whole time being like really this this is what you want to do right now also it was like two o'clock in the afternoon so I'm like what the fuck are you doing like, it's not like it's, like, 2 o'clock in the morning and you're trying to close up. And you're telling me yeah. to get the fuck out. No, this is 2 p.m. And he, and, also, and he was, like, at full voice. It's almost like, if you're going to sing to yourself and, like, swear, like, quietly. Quiet voice, Brad. Quiet voice. Anyway, fuck you, Brad. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make so much use of that button, I guarantee you. Uh, I don't think so. Next week, it's my recommendation, so you can blame me if you hate this book. But I love this book. Uh, this is called uh, Chimichanga. Uh, it's by Eric Powell, who writes The Goon, which is one of my favorite ongoing series. Um, Eric Powell, I think, has a really strange, bizarre, dark sense of humor that I love. And this is a book that he wrote for his kids. Um, so it's a book that I loved when I first read it. And I actually uh, sent it to my nieces and nephews, because I don't have my own kids, um, mm-hmm. for them to read, because uh, I loved it. But basically, it's the story of uh, a, uh, a freak show, and it has the... Uh, a young bearded lady, um, a little girl who has a beard, and she trades in a lock of her magic beer hair hair uh, to, for a witch's strange egg, and basically grows this giant monster named Chimichanga, who becomes her best friend and helps her out of uh, danger and pickles. And like, it's a, just a it's a cute, fun story. Like, it's not overly deep. I think it's just funny. I think it's kind of fun, but it's not the dumb, crazy, weird 
uncle grandpa bullshit that you know we subject ourselves to with uh bo 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 um so um hopefully y'all like it i i mean i'm I'm just a big fan of eric powell in general and i thought this was something kind of fun that i've actually given as a christmas present before so i felt like this might be a, a good christmas book so uh that is why i picked this book so now you know what you have uh, going into it um, well beforehand. Um, also, just, I'm sorry, I just totally remembered. Did anyone <laughs> else catch Ocelot saying Jings? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Which I thought was funny because I think in the boys they actually say, oh, I can't believe someone actually says that, which of course is still a comic book, so no one actually says that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So cool. So uh, next week, Chimichunga. This week, obviously, it's over. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and uh, you can listen to the outro with all sorts of information about stuff that I never remember to actually advertise, which is why I made an outro. Um, and uh, if you have a name for our mystery DJ, hit us up. Let us know. Um, and uh, we will we will give uh, the ultimate meanwhile a name. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, until then, uh, you guys have a great week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater, and on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.